Who I am. My name is Caleb, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that you are here with us this morning. And Hillary and I were uh, celebrated our five-year anniversary last week, and so we were out of town, but we missed you guys. Clearly, that was just one way, but uh, we, um, but we really did miss you, and and uh, I'm just kidding. And but we had a good time. We we enjoyed being down there. It was uh, five year, and we went to Cabo actually because my grandma was like a sucker in the '80s and bought like ten timeshares, and so we get to benefit from grandma's uh, overzealous timeshare purchases. Uh, but so we had fun. Happy to be back this week. If you don't know this, we are in a series on Luke, uh, but we're taking a pause today because I feel like this weekend is one of the most important weekends of the year. Uh, I believe that this is a critical message for me, for us to hear before we lead into this crazy, hectic season, because once Thursday hits, your life will never be the same. You are going to eat more, drink more, spend more, buy more than you will the rest of the year, and probably a little bit more than you did last year. And so because our culture is so hectic and so fast-paced and so committed to this consumeristic thing that we do, especially this time of the year, I want to make a big deal about today and help us to pause and as your pastor, hopefully get you to just to think a little bit differently about the, way, the days and the weeks that are coming and, and reframe your perspective a little bit because I believe that there's something that you actually need and want. And it's not more stuff. And it's not some of the things that our culture suggests are what we need because we have this tendency to be if-then people. If I just had this, then... I would be satisfied. If, if I just found someone that I could marry, then, then I will be happy. If I could just have this house and stop renting this little apartment, that would make me happy. If I could trade in this 14-year-old car and have something that's decent and gets me places in a little bit more style, then I would be happy. But do you know what the one thing that people in Orange County don't have is? Enough. We don't have enough, and we're a part of a culture in Orange County as much as anywhere in the world where we have this constant drive for more, and it's so easy to get caught up in it that I want to take these few moments this morning and pause and look at what really matters and what God says about how he wants us to live and how we can actually become satisfied. And we're going to look, we're going to go to the Old Testament because our lives, this story doesn't just happen in a vacuum. There's been a story that's been unfolding for a really long time. And we're going to jump into this place where God has liberated his people, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, liberated them from years and decades and centuries of oppression and slavery. The people, like a million plus, two million, have been praying for years and generations, God, if you just, if you just liberate us, if you would just set us free, if you would just get us out from under the thumb of this Pharaoh, we would be forever grateful. Can you just, can you just get us out of here? Take us to the place you've promised us, this, this promised land. Take us to this, to, to this place where we can be our own people, your people, and not have to be victims of this abuse and this slavery and neglect. This isn't working for us. If you would just do this, we will be 
we will be satisfied. We will be forever grateful. And so God taps a guy on the shoulder named Moses, the famous Moses. You might be familiar with Moses as the voice of Charlton Heston or Val Kilmer. <laughs> Speaking of which, I went last night. I took Hillary to see, um, this is a total tangent, uh, but it just came to, to see Val Kilmer play Mark Twain in a one-man show down in Laguna Beach Playhouse. It was unbelievable. The, the guy just, he just embodied Mark Twain and just walked around and said funny stuff for like an hour and a half, and I loved it. I was like, Val Kilmer, my Doc Holliday hero, is here <laughs> in the flesh. And then he like interacted with us afterwards, and Hillary's uh, taking a picture, and then he pulls out his cell phone and takes a picture of us, and we just have this special moment together. You don't care. You don't care. I, for me... It was, it, it was cool. It was significant. So Val Kilmer plays Moses. That's where I was, right, Moses? And, and Charlton has it. So Moses is this guy, and he's deliberating the people of God and taking them out of slavery in Egypt. And it's not just like there was legislature passed, and Pharaoh decides, oh, no, 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 we're going to pass down a law. We're not going to oppress the, uh, the Israelites anymore. No. God had to do like 10 crazy, miraculous things in the form of these plagues. And then Pharaoh finally says, okay, go, go, just get out of here. But that wasn't enough. God had to take them to the Red Sea, and then he parted the Red Sea. That's kind of hard to imagine, but it was a pretty big deal. You take the ocean, and you have it stand up at attention so the people, like a couple million, can walk across. And then it closed behind them and swallowed up the enemy that was trying to pursue them and get them back. That's just happened. God has taken his people out of slavery and liberated them from Pharaoh and from Egypt. When we pick up the story right here in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? Three days after the most unbelievable, there's no way there's not a God miracles. They're thirsty, the water's bitter, and they flip. What are we going to do? We're out here on our own in the desert. What are we going to drink how are we going to make it? This is bitter water. We can't even drink this. How is this going to go? And they start complaining. Three days after the ocean parted, three days after this, this miraculous exit, when Moses says, let my people go, and Pharaoh's like, no, 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 okay, and they go. And then three days passes, and they're thirsty, and they're doubting, and they're complaining. Three days. I have a friend who just this weekend or just a couple days ago told me that God's been doing some really clear things in his life. Some of those I can't deny that there's a God kind of moments, making it really clear to him. And so he started coming back to church and he started following Jesus for the first time in a long time. And it made me think that even though God has done these things just recently in his life, like he has in mine, like he has probably, hopefully, in some of yours, or maybe, maybe you're here because someone, God's done someone, something else in someone else's life and they invited you. Even though God's doing these great things in his life, it will just be a matter of time before he forgets. 
unless he makes himself remember because we all have a tendency to forget, to forget. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I feel like I should start over because it's been really good stuff. Should I, should I go back and give, give you the highlights, the clip notes? <clears throat> we have this, we all have this tendency to forget what God has done and what he is doing in our lives. It's not just thousands of years ago. We still do this today. Story goes on in Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, so that's about 45 days in to this little journey, right? 45 days. So that's like the first week of October. It wasn't that long ago. You might not remember what you were doing, but you can, you know, look in your phone real quick. It wasn't that long ago. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, his brother. Verse 3, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Three days thirsty, 45 days. We should have gone. We should never have left. We had meat there. And now you bring us out here to die. We're starving. Why would you do this? We're so hungry. We can't take this anymore. If only back there we, uh, if, what if we, and they're complaining and grumbling just a month and a half. After the most ridiculous, you can't deny there's a God kind of miracles. They forget. And they're complaining as if God can't provide for them. When I was a kid, uh, my parents took our family with another family and we went up to Canada. I think it was Vancouver. We went to the World's Fair. I think it was like Expo 86 or something like that. And we were there and it was, and I was a little kid. I don't remember much of it, but I remember that it was cool. I also remember that when we got home, we were, it was kind of like a noisy uh, car ride back, and, and we were getting out, and my brother was unhappy, and he was complaining. And obviously, my parents, they didn't have a ton of money, but they had obviously spent some money, and the other family, they, they were probably helping out a little bit with us financially to make this thing possible. And the other dad I th- seems to have just kind of gotten fed up, maybe with his kids and ours too, with us too. And he grabs my brother, and he's picking him up out of the car, and he puts him down, and he says, when will you just be satisfied? And as a little kid, I thought, A, jerk. Uh, <laughs> B, he's got a point. I mean, we did just go to this awesome thing. We did just get back from this crazy great trip. And here we are in the car complaining and wanting to go to like Chuck E. Cheese because we're hungry or something. I was telling that story, and Hillary said, yeah, when I was a kid, I remember it was, uh, I, was like, I was like 12, and it was Valentine's Day, and it was shortly after her dad had left. Uh, her parents divorced, and her dad left, and she was with her mom, and she got into the car with her mom on Valentine's Day, and she said, Mom, where's my present? And her mom said, I don't have a present. And she's like, yeah, 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 right, Mom, right, Mom. where's my present? Where's my present? You got a picture like the 12-year-old Hillary I mean, she probably still do this today, but it was like, she was like, Mom, like, where's my present? It's Valentine's Day, and I know that you have a present for me. And Mom's like, no, 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 Hillary, no, 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 no present. It's just Valentine's Day. I don't, you know, we're, we don't have a lot of money for that right now. 
and Hillary lost it. She was devastated by her dad leaving recently. She had that kind of, that void, that love deficit, and she wanted a present, and she was just so hurt, and she threw a temper tantrum, and she flung her arms and kicked and cried. They got back to the house. Her mom was silent. She took her into the living room. She said, sit down. She went in the other room. She got Hillary her present. And she said, I've had this all along. I just wanted to surprise you. Now I don't even want you to have it. Because there's nothing worse than people who are ungrateful people. And I wonder if God has more for us, has these blessings for us, wants us to enjoy these things that he gives us, and yet it takes all the fun out of it for him because we're just like, I want my thing when I want it now. And I want this and I want this. And we just gripe and we complain and we think we deserve and we're entitled to. And then he just gets tired of it. And it's like, man, it's not just little kids. And it's not just these Israelites thousands of years ago. It's in us. Numbers 11. Same general time frame. Different book of the Bible. This is what's happening. Now the people complained, complained about their hardships and the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was roused. The fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down, so that the place was called Tibera, because fire from the Lord had burned among them, as if the Lord is saying, be careful, this can get worse. I'm telling a story here. I'm taking you out of this oppressive thing like you begged me to, and like I wanted to, and I'm taking you to this great place that you can't even see, but it's going to be awesome. I'm fulfilling my promises. I'm going to provide Stop complaining because things could get worse. Things are not as bad as you think they are. One obvious lesson that we learn from this Jewish nation, who are people like us, is that instead of complaining, to count your blessings. Instead of complaining, count your blessings. So God gives them food. He gives them food in the form of manna which literally means, what is it? Because they were like, there's stuff here and it's edible. Well, I don't know what it is, but I'll eat it anyway. And so he, he gives them food and he provides for them as they go on their journey. And yet this is what it says in the next verses in Numbers. It says the rabble with them began to crave other food. The rabble just means like the loud, obnoxious people in the group. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We would remember, or we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Well, we were slaves, but it is interesting how your perspective shifts. We, we had fish at no cost. Also, the cucumbers. Oh, the cucumbers, right? Melons and leeks and onions and garlic. Look at all this stuff we enjoyed back there. Why did we leave? Verse 6, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this stupid manna. Imagine, though, imagine the moms, the Jewish moms of the kids trying to make manna more interesting, right? Well, all we have is manna every day. So you know mom's trying to do different stuff with manna. She's giving you boiled manna, raw manna, baked manna, manna on a stick, manna Connie, cloudy with a chance of manna. I was just keeping going and seeing how good that laugh could get. Thank you for that. Thank you for that laugh. God is going to give them what they want. He, he gives them He gives them what they need. He provides for them as they go. And then, and then this is what happens. 
Tell the people to consecrate yourselves. Prepare for tomorrow, for when you will eat meat. I'm going to give you your meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Woe is me. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. Have you ever done that? As a parent, you will eat this. You will not eat it just for one day, not for two days, or five, or ten, or even 20 days, but for a whole month until it's coming out your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? When I was a kid, I loved licorice and red licorice only. And, uh, and for my, I think it was my ninth birthday, my parents bought me licorice. And it was one of like, imagine, a, imagine an extension cord that's like on a roller, right? The, those orange extension cords. But imagine that being licorice. And it was that much licorice. And so I get this like licorice from heaven, this, this abundance of licorice. And it's my birthday and my parents, like they unroll about six yards of it and hack it off and say, here, is the, is the licorice, licorice allotment for this evening. You can eat this. And I was like, oh, yes, licorice. I already have a sugar rough, sugar rush. And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. I'm eating my licorice. And then everyone goes to bed and I sneak back out. And I find my roll of licorice and I sneak it into my room. And I eat the whole roll of licorice. (laughs) And I immediately feel sick. But I manage to fall asleep, only to wake up an hour later hurling all over my bed. I puked the rest of the night. I went in and told my parents what what I had done, which was already pretty obvious. (laughs) And I have never touched licorice since then. So God gives them what they want. If you're going to be complaining, if you're going to be demanding, I'm going to give you this food. He was tired of all their complaining. And Moses was tired of it too. Moses is like, man, God, I don't want to lead these people anymore. They don't appreciate anything. They grumble against you. They grumble against me. I'm the one who has to sit here and listen to it every day. They are never satisfied. You're providing for them in different ways, and they're not happy. We're not going fast enough. We're not going too slow enough. Whatever it is, they're grumbling. I'm tired of this. So God says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you, go, go pick out 70 leaders. You bring your 70 leaders together. I, you pray for them. I'm going to put my spirit on them, and they're going to help you kind of share the load. So Moses says, all right, I'll get these leaders. And so he gets them, he invites them, he brings them to the tent. He's going to pray for them. Two of these leaders that he invited didn't come. They stayed back. Football. I don't know what they were doing, but they had something else to do, and they were back here, and they stayed back home. And Moses is praying for the other leaders. Here's where we pick it up. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go to the tent. The Spirit also rested on them when Moses prayed. God's Spirit still went and rested on them so that they prophesied in the camp and were getting a lot of attention. Verse 27, a young man ran up and told, and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who's right there, and he'd been Moses' aide since you, spoke up and said, Moses, stop them. They're over there. They're doing their thing. We're here. You prayed for these people. They didn't decide to come. That's on them. They don't get to prophesy and have God's spirit. Stop them. Verse 29, but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish 
that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Another lesson that we learn from the Jewish community, the, the, the Israelite nation, is that ingratitude manifests itself in a couple of different ways. It has a tendency to make us insecure and cause us to compare ourselves to others. We want good things for others, but we want the best for ourselves. And Joshua, as Moses' aid, is saying, no, 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 hey, hey, this is where the power tent is, um, not over there. If they didn't come, too bad. God's spirit shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be prophesying. We're the ones who do the leadership stuff. Go tell them to knock it off. Don't we do that? God, you, you wait. I'm the one that's praying to you. I'm the one who's trying to live good. I'm the one who's trying to show up at church and do stuff. How come you're blessing them? How come I don't have that? How come I'm going through this? And we compare and we complain and we miss out on all that God is doing in the larger story. And it's not just thousands of years ago, and it's not just little kids. It's still real for us today. And I know that you and I, we don't want to be complainers. We want to have hearts of gratitude. We want to appreciate God's gifts. And so here are a few things that will help us in this next season, Thanksgiving coming, Christmas coming, to stay focused, appreciate God's favor, his blessings, not be complainers, not be those who compare. The first thing is this, it's in your outline, the password into God's presence, into receiving God's favor is simple, it's this, it's thank you. The password into God's presence is simply thank you. Psalm 100 verse 4 in the message translation says, enter with the password of thank you. Another translation that maybe some of you grew up with is enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his, enter his courts with praise. The point is that if you have felt like maybe your prayers are hitting a ceiling, that maybe God feels distant to you, maybe you've just been kind of checked out, maybe you just don't feel the same as you used to, start with this, gratitude. Start by saying thank you. Start by listing the things that you know that he's already doing in your life. Maybe, maybe you don't feel close to him just because you think that you deserve him to have done different things in your life by now. Start by saying thank you for what is, for what I have, for what you have done. Parents know this. We teach our kids this. Teachers know this. We just know this instinctively. It's better to be thankful. The word thankful. The words thank you go a long ways. That means, let's practice, when you go to lunch today or when you're having Thanksgiving dinner and you put delicious food in your mouth and you can taste that it's delicious, pause and say thank you. Let's just practice. Thank you that I even have the capacity to taste and enjoy this. When you or when your mind tells your hand, to pick something up, and it can say thank you that I have motor skills, that I have the capacity to do simple things like that, that my, my mind functions properly. When you enjoy the uh, coffee or, or some time with a good friend and it feels fulfilling and life-giving, you can say thank you, God, that you've created relationship, that we can be in this together. When you go to your family and there's craziness and people are obnoxious and maybe your mom says something about your haircut 
Or maybe grandma says, why don't you visit me more? You can say, thank you, God, that there are people that care about me, that people that miss me when I'm not here. When you wake up on Friday morning with a turkey-induced food coma, you can say, thank you. At least I'm not getting trampled at Walmart right now. I mean, mean, we can be grateful people. Here's the definition of thankfulness. Simple definition for you. Wanting what you have. Thankfulness is wanting what you have, appreciating what you have, caring for what you have. The opposite of thankfulness is when you take something for granted. And this is tough, probably for all of us. It's, tough, it's difficult for me. There's times when, when I, don't, I don't maybe take care of something like I should just because it's uh, dirty or I'm not like a barbecue on my patio that's very filthy. And I'm like, I'm just not going to use that. Because, so I don't take care of it because it's already become a mess, right? Or there's, there's different reasons or excuses that we don't, we don't appreciate the things that we have. Maybe you have a physical limitation. And so you don't appreciate all your other capabilities because you're focused on this one limitation, Instead of recognizing the fact that maybe this one limitation makes you more aware and sensitive to other people than you otherwise would be. Maybe it's a financial struggle and you're so focused on what you don't have instead of what you do have. And the freedom and flexibility that you have because you're not bound by lots of stuff and properties and and things like that. And you don't have to deal with the the burden of excess that now your your whole life is spent managing your, your stuff. Thankful people discipline their minds to appreciate what we have. Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, we are in jeopardy of living out this next verse, Romans 1.21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused. If you don't appreciate the things that God gives you and what God does in your life, you will slowly begin to question even that God is good. And then when you get to that place and you're questioning that God is good, then you, then you lose perspective on everything, and your mind becomes dark. And it happens. It's, it's, it's what our natural draw is. We are ungrateful people. We are forgetful people. And then we begin to question God. It's what happens. We start with thankfulness. We move to contentment. A definition from contentment is simply this, not needing more. So we're grateful for what we have, and we don't need more. What's the one thing people in Orange County don't have? Enough. And so we are those who say, like Paul, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. I'm, I'm content with what I have. Do you think my wife, Hillary, if I took her to Target and I said, you can buy whatever you want for the next hour, anything, you think that would make her happy? We'll never know. I, pr- I promise you that. <clears throat> Psalm 118 This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So, my friends, for us, my hope and my prayer is that we will be those who give thanks to God. We will be those who remember that he is good, that celebrate that he was good, that he is good, that you will not miss out on the 
the generosity of God in this season because you're focused on what you don't have or because you're caught up in the pace, but you would be thankful for what you do have, that you would not need more. And in fact, we'll just practice it in real simple ways right now. When you walk out to the parking lot and you look at your car and you see your car, it might be 14 years old like my car and runs mostly, uh, but you will say, you will be thankful. You will say, I am thankful thankful for this, and I don't need more. Say those last words with me. I don't need more. And when you pull into your driveway and you look at your house, you will say, I love my house. I've got memories in this house. Yes, it could be bigger or closer to the ocean, but I am thankful for my house, and I don't need more. When you look at a close friend or a girlfriend or boyfriend or a spouse, and you see them, you, 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 maybe you say, well, I, I kind of wish that he would change the light bulb in our bathroom uh, and, and that he wouldn't work on his anniversary. I'm still kind of working this out right now. I, first service was rough uh, with my wife up here. But I am thankful for this friend or this spouse or this person, and I don't need more. We are people who are grateful for what God gives us because if you are not grateful now, you will never be grateful you will get caught up in the trap that says, when I am there, then I'll be grateful. When I'm there, then I'll, and when I have that, then I'll appreciate. Then I'll, then I'll feel good. Then I'll be satisfied when I'm there. But here's the reality. There's someone else that's there. You think they're grateful? You think they're satisfied? They're not. They're looking at the next thing. You're right here right now, and you were back here. And if you weren't satisfied then and you thought you'd be satisfied here and you're not satisfied here, you're not going to be satisfied there. You can't be satisfied there. You can only be satisfied here. Now is the time and the place when you can be grateful, satisfied, and content. It's the only place in the here and now. Last verse, Psalm 103, 1 through 2 says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget, may I never forget the good things he has done for me. Regardless of circumstances, I will praise the Lord. Regardless of if I kind of wish that this happened or I kind of wish I, I will praise the Lord. I will be grateful. I have on the back of your outline a couple of ways that you can just write down something that you're thankful for. At the same time, our ushers are going to pass a card out to you in this moment that I want you to look at. But just take a second, take a second and look at the back of your outline and write down simple things that you're grateful for. Life and health, basic provisions, relationships that you enjoy, experiences, opportunities. Take a moment right now and just, just jot those down. Say a quick word of thanks under your breath. And as you get these cards, I spent, some, I spent a lot of time on these cards because I wanted you to be able to join me, join our staff in praying a similar prayer through the rest of the year. So we're about, it's kind of the Advent, close to the Advent type season leading up to Christmas. And there's about 40 days left in the, in the year of 2013. And I thought, how appropriate if we spent the rest of this year intentionally praying together 
And each one of these days, you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Saturday, every one of them starts with gratitude because gratitude tunes our hearts and helps us focus. And to hear from God because we've entered in his presence with thankfulness. And so if you would join us in praying this week, keep this in your Bible or on your dashboard or by your bedside. This is what we're going to be praying together over the rest of the year because we believe that we will be people who are grateful. We will be people who celebrate God's goodness. We will be people who are strangely, curiously attractive to a world that's on this endless pursuit of more and that we will be content we will be excited. We will be loving. We will be drawing others into this revolution of thankfulness and contentment. That's who we want to be. Even if we're going through difficult situations, it doesn't matter. God is good. So as we finish this, this service together, would you stand with me? And let's respond to God in song together.